your host, Mark Harris, with my co-host, Colton Dodgson. First episode of the new year, 10 days in. We we uh, decided to take an extra long uh, holiday break. Um, Colton, how was your break before we get into the nuts and bolts of ASU athletics? It was good, man. For a while, I didn't think uh, you were going to approve my PTO for the, the second week. So I'm glad that you you ultimately did that. Um, that was nice. I didn't want to have to go to HR, but we avoided all of that, which is good. Nice long break. Um, saw some good ASU basketball, which is fun. Um, I don't know if we necessarily expected that the last time we recorded. Um, I will also say I don't think either of us expected my nine conference game winning streak hypothetical to be uh, 45% of the way there roughly. Um, so we have that, which is, which is cool. I didn't, I didn't expect to be in that position getting on the show today. Yeah. That's a good way to kind of bring us into this. I was going to, uh, I was going to open it by saying, let's talk about the sports news of the day. Uh, the joke being that ASU plays at Washington tonight being like, Oh, that's the sports news of the day because Yesterday being Wednesday, uh, which is the day we're recording it. Um, oh, obviously, yeah. Pete Carroll and Nick Saban both retired. Uh, so, That's you know, hey, maybe. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to steal your segue. <laughs> it, it's fine. It's fine. Um, no, heck, no, maybe no. we'll have another podcast soon. Of If Dan Lanning leaves for the Alabama job, then they hire Dillingham or something. I, I don't see that happening at all. But um, Yeah, a lot, a lot of dominoes randomly. You got to fall yeah. now. Um, coaching carousel in the NFL is going to be insane, um, and now it's shaping up to be a pretty um, a pretty significant coaching offseason in college. Too. Yeah, it just took yeah because it just took Saban, and then that's going to more dominoes. Other places, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, ASU basketball <laughs> is not affected by that, um, and I don't think anyone's banging down to hire uh, banging down Bobby Hurley's door to hire him at this point. Um, but maybe that'll change if they keep up their winning ways. They are first place in the Pac-12 men's basketball standings with a 4-0 conference record, uh, 10-5 overall, if I have that correct. Yes, 10-5 overall, 4-0 in the conference. Have a chance to get to 5-0 tonight when they play Washington in Seattle. Uh, I'll just get this started. I mean, our last show was, what, like two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago? Uh, we did not see this coming at all. You know, we didn't. No, I didn't. No, no I, I didn't either. The, my, my statement was very um, – it was more of a – Bobby Hurley has been known to do – it's been a very streaky team under Bobby Hurley. So um, I was just kind of – Throwing out that hypothetical of like that would be so, um, so kind of apropos for Bobby Hurley's tenure, um, and we're we're in the midst of something right now, and it, it happened immediately after we last recorded, which yeah. is which is strange, but uh, it is it is a fun stretch, um, and we'll just we'll ride it out until it's done, for sure. Well, and let's kind of uh, rewind back to where we were, you know, we had recorded this, their most recent game um, before our most previous episode, 
the game they played before our most recent episode, that's a better way to say it, was the Northwestern game, which was a disaster. I mean, one of the worst ASU basketball games I've ever seen, if not the worst. You know, it was it was a disaster. It was terrible. And I don't care, you know, who you are as an ASU fan. Like, it was very, very reasonable and acceptable to have huge questions and concerns about the team and the program and like everything after that game, because it just looked like, like, sure, they could win a few games in conference, but after seeing that, you just, the nosedive was very real possibility, you know? And honestly, uh, I didn't really have a big change in opinion after the Bay area series, you know? No, those because those were not impressive. Like, those were impressive wins in the sense that, like, winning on the road is hard and you need to win all your games and all that. But, like, from, like, a quality of play standpoint, I was I didn't leave those games, you know, when they had to come back against Cal and they barely beat Stanford. I wasn't like, oh, you know, ASU, ASU basketball has it turned around, you know, because they, they didn't look that much better. Stanford was one of those games too, where they needed a, a late surge to to yeah. escape with that one. They were both kind of like uh, stolen wins a little bit, um, but I mean those two home games against the the other two four corner yeah. schools were, or two of the other four corner schools were were pretty significant. I was at the Utah game. I know you were at Colorado, yep. um, but I watched Colorado, um, and you know it's it's so tough, and it's it's always tough to evaluate. ASU basketball because there's just so much variance from game to game in terms of the team that shows up, right? I mean, yeah. we've seen we've seen such a colossal turnaround. And the only reason that this gives me that I, that I have a little bit of hope, not that they'll, you know, lose two conference games and and get a get a bye in the first round of the Pac-12 turn, whatever. But the only reason that I, I think they've turned a corner from that valley that they were in in that three-game losing streak is is that return of um, Adam Miller. He has been so good for the the offensive side of the ball and getting him back and getting him in the, the groove. And even the defensive side. The defensive side has been so impressive. But getting him um, acclimated with this new team. And there's always that learning curve when you're bringing in um, the amount of transfers that you do. Obviously, Jemiah Neal, Frankie Collins. Um, Jose. Uh, uh, yeah, or Alonzo Gaffney. Those guys are those guys are um, returning. But exactly, you've got Jose coming in, and uh, you know, getting Adam Miller acclimated. Uh, Sean Phillips was out for a while, so getting all those guys comfortable was was tough in such a short amount of time. I think Jose transferred like two weeks before the season started. Yeah. Um, so you know, a bit <laughs> of a thing here was to be expected. It looked pretty bad. Um, but now with Adam Miller back in the fold, they, they seem to be turning a corner. And that corner, it it, it looks like it, it's being turned because of their defensive intensity. Um, and we always talk about Bobby Hurley doesn't really have an offensive scheme other than if you play hard on defense, shoot whatever you want to shoot, right? Like that's, that's kind of what we've always discussed in terms of what he tells his players on offense or, or what the, the understanding seems to be. But – I mean, that's a sim- simplistic way of putting it, but when you watch the games, it does look like that. It, it like, feels yeah. like that from a fan's perspective. Right. It's yeah. like, yeah, if you're 
if you're playing hard on the defensive side of the ball, there's a little bit more margin for error yep. in terms of you freelancing on the offensive side, which doesn't always work out, right? Especially when this team gets cold, which we've seen happen quite a bit in the past, shooting the ball. Uh, again, different team, but yeah, I mean, the defense has been what has really impressed me. Primarily, Frankie Collins and his intensity. Obviously, the steal numbers. He's are, so you know, good. Yeah, he's been so good this year. Even yeah. in some of their really bad games, like he's been good. You know, definitely. And like those those steal numbers and the, the defensive um, performance that these teams have put forth. Three point one steals like, per game. That's absurd. That's, I think he yeah. had. I think he had like 10 or 11 total in the last two, something like that. I want to say he had five against one of those two schools. Um, I can pull up the box score. But either way, the steal numbers have been absurd. Um, And it's not just him. The entire – and granted, Colorado was missing one of their best players too. Hey, whatever, man. um, Colorado's a good team. They're a good team. Seeing them live, Lamb gets a big force in the middle. I mean, Tristan De Silva's been in Colorado for like – it feels like six years. And he's always been good. He's just a smooth player. He's some huge shots against ASU. And KJ Simpson's really good too. So, whatever. Like, we've missed players, you know – but yeah, anyway. well, I, I 100%. It's not to belittle that win at all, just needs to be mentioned. You know, the, Simpson and De Silva both played extremely well in that game, so it wasn't like it looked like Colorado was missing something necessarily at all. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to pull up this box score. Um, either way, it's been a great stretch. We'll see how it goes. They've got UW tomorrow night at 11, which is it's at nine. Great. I, it's at nine. Why? I don't know why. Maybe, Where'd you get eleven? Maybe my computer's on Eastern time. Yeah, or something. I don't know because it said eleven, but nine is way better. I was kind of nine still pretty freaking late. late too, but yeah. I mean, I was blown away by eleven, but that's probably Eastern time, which yeah. is why nobody really watches this team so, <laughs> on the East Coast. Um, um, but yeah, absolutely. And your point with Miller, I mean. I didn't, like, when ASU was playing very badly and I was like, okay, like, sure, like, having Miller would be great, but does he really make that big of a difference? The answer is yes. Okay. In their, you know, uh, weekend sweep of the mountain schools, 13 points against Utah, 18 points against Colorado, uh, you know, 31 points over the weekend. I mean, that's huge. And the one thing I really noticed with him is when he shoots a three, there's no hesitation. It's just... Shoot, you know, and sometimes with a lot of times with ASU basketball players or just basketball in general, like so you guys hesitate to shoot and then it, they, they do shoot. and It doesn't go in, of course, and it's just a wasted possession, essentially. Miller shoots it, you know, not going to make everyone, obviously, but like you see like the, it's a really smooth looking form um, and you can see why he was so like highly sought after um, in the past. So. He's, it's been a huge addition. Just having Sean Phillips back, too, um, he didn't really play that. I don't – you were at the Colorado – I mean, the, at the uh, Utah games. You could speak about him better than me. But in that in the in the Colorado game, he didn't play too much. But it's still a huge – it's still a great player to have on your team. And um, Colton, so uh, we mentioned Frankie Collins. His, where do you think his 3.1 steals per game ranks among all D1 college basketball players? I mean, it's got to be top five, 
maybe top three. I'm going to say he's second or third. Wow. He's number three. Yep. Okay. 3.1 per game. Some guy on uh, Florida International has 4.12 steals per game. That's crazy. Uh, but that's, I, crazy. It's, yeah, that's so big. And Frankie has been, like I said, he's been so consistent. Um, I'm forgetting which of the Bay Area games it was. I think it was against Stanford. He hit a huge shot late in the game uh, that gave ASU the lead. Uh, but... I mean, he's been he's just been so big as, as one of the few constants from last year. And it was all it was really nice to see Jemiah Neal get going, uh, at least against Colorado. He I mean, when he attacks the basket, man, like it, it feels like no one can stop him when he attacks the basket, even if like they're playing good defense and their arms are like in the way or whatever. Like it just feels like he has enough juice to like hang in the air that extra half second longer to like move the ball in a certain way so we can get a decent shot like. Right. And when you're attacking, when you're attacking the rim like that, when you have a guy who's a genuine threat to attack the rim, yes. it, it opens it opens everything else up around the perimeter and, and the dribble drive, whatever else. Right. Um, so I, I think as he continues to do that and as they continue to, to get a feel for, you know, new guys on the court, and it seems like they are with with Adam Miller and, and Jose Perez, who both have played extremely well and you talked about it. The big thing is the, there's no hesitation, right? They're committing yep. and they're going to live with the result. There's no like second guessing what they're doing. And, and Jemiah Neal, the more that he gets comfortable attacking that lane, like he's been doing that the kickouts are going to be there. It's just, it's putting more stress on the defense, which is imperative. And I, I did misspeak either earlier. I said, Frankie Collins, I thought I heard he had like, 10 steals over two games. Maybe it was over three, but he had three steals in both the Colorado and the Utah game, which is still, still yeah. Yeah, that's that's a ton. So whatever they're doing on defense, um, the intensity has been incredible. And that's that's opened up obviously transition looks and, and other things like that, which uh has continued to put stress on opposing defenses, which maybe they haven't always done in the past, right? It seems like defenses I've been able to settle in a little bit, or ASU just shoots themselves out of games, and and neither is really happening um, over the course of the last four games, which is great. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, the other, yeah, I mean, Perez has just been so he's just been so reliable this year, and like with him, he's it's, steady. For it's one, he, yeah, for one, he's the person I trust the most out of any of these guys on this team to hit like two free throws in a row. You know, if he gets fouled while he's shooting, I trust him to get the two points more than honestly any of these. Like until I see it on a more consistent basis from some of these guys, uh, I'm trusting Jose Perez to make the two free throws. Um, so yeah. Uh, that and, and the thing is that we're not like that, like Colorado and Utah are good. You know, they both entered, I think with 11 wins each, uh, Colorado's now eleven and four. I don't know what I'll have to check Utah. Um, but they're like they're both probably gonna be tournament teams, you know, like because they put in the they had the uh did well in the non-con. And so those are two really big wins, and it's also very encouraging that ASU clearly played its best basketball of the season in those games. Particularly, I mean the Utah game, first and foremost, they won by 12 points. Uh, but, I mean, it gets Colorado. I can't really say that, like, 
they played badly. You know, like, I mean, obviously they've won, but like there have been ASU games where, yeah, they win, but it's like, man, like it just looked very uneven the whole time. And uh, it, there wasn't any flow to the game. And you kind of just, you kind of just relied on guys hitting shots. Like the SMU game earlier in the uh, non-conference, like they, I don't, that, that wasn't like a well-played game by ASU. It was just kind of, they hit enough threes early on in the game, and then they went on a run late. You know, you, you they all count the same, but uh, those were just two, like, from beginning to end, cohesive games. There was flow. There was guys getting good shots, like, attacking the basket. Uh, and maybe some of it is just having Phillips and Miller in the lineup, you know? Definitely. And, you know, what's what's encouraging about this game, too, is – um, late or kind of midway through the first half, going into the latter <laughs> part of, the first half of this game, Colorado actually takes the lead and and yeah. starts to put some cushion. Right there, up twenty nine, twenty four. Which in the past, a lead like that, ASU starts forcing things. Colorado is able to continue to build that lead, and obviously the the Cal and Stanford games aside, teams are typically able to keep. ASU at arm's length a little bit, um, especially good teams like Colorado, right? So when that happens, you're kind of like, oh, okay, we'll see how they respond. And they respond by taking over the game essentially for a, for a period of time, right? They go up 44 to – or excuse me, 41 to uh, 33 by almost the end of the first half, 139 left in the first half. So – that response was really encouraging to me. I remember that standing out, seeing Colorado start to put some space between them and ASU. Um, now, if that happens on the road, is this a different story? Obviously, playing in the Bay Area, they they ran both of those games back on the road. Um, but maybe in a more hostile environment, maybe when they're at Oregon, a place like that, um, does that come into play a little more? That's something to keep an eye on. But, oh, I mean, the I mean first test – the first test was encouraging, seeing them kind of build that lead up a little bit after being down. Yeah, for sure. Like if they're, it's going to be much harder to come back, obviously, like on the road and tougher environments. If you're, you know, down by eight points at any point in the game. Um, right. But that's why it's important to win these games. You know, that's why it's important to build up uh, some buffer in the uh, the conference standings, at least. And you know, like it's. I don't think ASU will win three more, three straight, three more conference games in a row. But I could very well see them being at six and one because you're at Washington. Washington's a good team, but you like you can win that game. It's not an impossible game to win with how you've been playing. Um, and then you host the LA schools, which looked a lot tougher on paper before the season began, but I'm looking at the conference, I'm looking at the standings, USC's two and two in conference, eight and seven overall. So they, they had a bad non-con too. Like they, they left non-con six and five, just like we did. But the difference is they've gone two and two in conference and they haven't made up for it as well. Uh, And then UCLA, six and nine overall, one and three in conference. They lost to Cal. Like, that's really bad. So yeah. there's a real opportunity for you. I mean, there's an opportunity for you to go 7-0, obviously, but that's a lot to ask. There's a real mm-hmm. opportunity for you to go 6-1. and one. 
you know. 100%. And yeah. if you get to six and one, so you'd go uh, two and one that you'd be, uh, you'd be 12 and six overall, but that still puts you in a pretty good spot, you know. Um, and I, I think I, I, I wasn't talking about this with, I think I was talking about it with Connor uh, and our friend Tonus. I like that you have Arizona games later in the season. Um, just because as ASU fans, we've seen some pretty good ASU teams start out and then you get humbled by Arizona early on in the conference season and it kind of pops the air out of the balloon, you know. But if you're going to have that, might as well have it later in the year once you've built up some wins, once you've uh, gelled together as a team more, you know. Right. Uh, and, you know, maybe, I mean, it's not like they're some unbeatable team. They lost to Stanford. They're definitely the best team in the conference, but hey, on a given night, maybe a <laughs> three quarters court shot goes in and you beat him, you know? It happens. It, yeah. Or happened happens. at least once. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think the upcoming slate is favorable, right? Um, variance happens, letdowns happen, you know, but yeah. I completely agree with you. Six and one seems very attainable. Um, I would think five and two going into the Oregon and Oregon State game would be a little disappointing. Um, but yeah, it would, it, it would be at this point, given yeah. who you're playing. And look, like, the, the non-conference There's results games still at count, home too. you know? Yeah, you got two games at home, too. Yeah. Um, and and those will be – people will be – like, those will be really well-attended games for Wells Fargo standards because, one, it's UCLA, and it's the last time UCLA is coming there, at least for a while. Uh, and then the other is USC, and you got Bronny and uh, the guy Isaiah Collier as well. So, like, they even though neither of those teams are very good, they have – the brand recognition in U- UCLA's case, or they have the star power in USC's case. So, right, those tickets. I'm looking. It'll show you like the the um, cheapest ticket price while you're kind of like scrolling through or whatever. Um, and the cheapest ticket, at least on CBS, um, whatever they use to show ticket prices, right. cheapest ticket for USC is thirty eight dollars. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, at wow. least. At least on this, I don't know what it. I'm sure, I'm sure find it people will be somewhere able. else. But I mean, cheapest for for context, cheapest for Washington is two, cheapest for UCLA is seven, Interesting. Uh, cheapest for Oregon is eight. So, okay. yeah, you yeah. got that that thirty eight dollar number might be what the brownie effect. I don't know. It but. has to be. It has to be. I mean, look, I when Brownie went to UCLA or gosh. USC, I, you know, as a season ticket holder, I was like, oh, I guess I can go see Bronny, you know, like yeah. that's, a, you know, it's an added thing. It's like, oh, okay, like at least he's doing this and, you know, before USC goes to the Big Ten, how it worked out with his age and all that. But uh, no, that's going to be really interesting. And then if you can beat him, then that's awesome too, you know. So, uh, yeah, people will be watching. Yeah. It's, again, it's still kind of weird that ASU basketball is in this spot right now. Um, just give it like, again, like the non-conference losses still are part of the season and 
they they looked really bad like they just did and um i didn't think they would be able to break out of it in the way that they have in the particularly in this past weekend you know i completely agree and the, the losses have been bad right like the margins bad. have been yeah brutal I mean, the San Diego game was a five-point loss, but, I mean, you got a 20-point loss to TCU. You got the 19 points to Northwestern. Uh, whatever, I, I'm trying to do the math quickly, uh, 28 to BYU. Yeah, that was a – I mean, I kind of throw the Mississippi State game out a little bit, just given all of the moving parts. I mean, it counts on the record, but that was kind of to be expected, especially against a good team with yeah. – with, so many new guys, but either way, these losses have been brutal. Um, which I mean, in Stanford and Cal could have gotten away from them too, right? They weren't, it wasn't yeah. like those were wire to wire games. So oh. there's not, I mean, they were not fun to watch at all. Like at the end, you're yeah. like, oh, thank God we won. But like, <laughs> yeah, I think the encouraging thing is their defense has played incredible. How much of that is like, um, you know, being at home and being hyped by being at home and that gives you the intensity, whatever. We'll see how that travels. I'm sure it'll be like, I will get a good um, sort of idea when they play Washington tomorrow. And th- they're just going to continue Tonight, to get more comfortable. Gonna- yeah, because this comes out uh, tomorrow. So they're going to continue to get more comfortable with each other, right? And I think that's the most encouraging part is that's what Bobby Hurley – has done an effective job at in this transfer portal era is bringing these teams together and and making them comfortable with each other as, as the season progresses and that's what we saw happen at the end of last year right they needed a little bit of a run just to to get into that bubble conversation and they ultimately did and they made you know they they won that first four game and actually got into the tournament so we'll we'll see what happens but that that's the encouraging part for me is it looks like this group is not only talented, but they're starting to gel a little bit together mm-hmm. and starting to to show that they have that defensive intensity. Yeah, totally. And one final thought before we move on to some football transfers. I mean, look, after the Northwestern game, after the, you know, after that stretch of just bad games, like I was really like just about like Hurley. I was like, okay, like are we like we're going to have a new athletic director coming in. We're moving to the big 12. Like, like this looks really bad right now. And like, I remember tweeting out, like, I get that, like it's ASU basketball basketball and like all this, but you can't look like that. Like you can't look like the way they did against Northwestern and he turned it around. Like he has turned it around and um, you can just see by the way they played against Utah and Colorado, that this is not the same team that was, on the floor against Northwestern, you know, even though a lot of the same players, it's just, it just is, you know, just much better. And that, that makes me think that like, like it's all under control for a lack of a better phrase. Like I, I can see the season going on where it's ASU will almost certainly finish with a winning record. Right. Um, And even, I don't, I don't think it's going to be really hard to make the NCAA tournament just because you just did so bad in the non-con against mm-hmm. uh, power five teams. 
but if honestly like this year if they make it to the nit and are like a high like a one or two seed in the nit bracket like i'm not going to be thrilled but because you always want to make the tournament you know but it's at least like okay like it's at least like a non-disastrous season you know you don't want to finish like yeah at this point winning the nit would be sweet <laughs> like i just want to be able to celebrate something man i like, wouldn't hate winning the nit yeah, but let's win the NIT. I'm cool with that. Okay, I, I, if if ASU wins the NIT, do they hang a banner? Um, do schools typically do that? I think it depends on how good your school's men's basketball history is. Okay. Oh, or if man. you're like a like a mid major, then if you're a mid major and you're not like a power, then you I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would. It's it's still winning something, right? Like you're still playing D1 schools yeah. in a tournament I, setting, right, to get through that entire tournament and win the entire thing, like, that's still an accomplishment. It's not the, you know, the the, yeah. the big grants, but it's it's something. <laughs> it's something. Yeah. Hey, when you're at ASU basketball, you got to take that. Yeah, hang your hat on something, you know. I just know that, like, if you hang an NIT champions banner, like, you're going to get made fun of. You know, 100%. Yeah. 100%. You will but, get made fun of. But you know what? That doesn't matter to me. I would still celebrate it extremely hard. I will say hey, that. We're ASU alumni. I will buy an NIT champion shirt and I will wear it with pride. Ooh, I would rather buy the shirt than have a banner, honestly. But that's just me. Uh, and well, hey, you know what? we're ASU alums. And if, if you go to ASU, you're used to getting fun of. Uh, Paging Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah. I saw Dylan I, I, tweet out well, like, later that day that oh, ASU is a higher-ranked academic school and all this. I'm like, I love it. I love the yeah. – uh, yeah. You know, ASU, that whole, that, I didn't realize how little A.J. Hawk did on that show um, until all of that started coming out and, I, you know, Twitter – started to to take AJ Hawk memes are hilarious. Yeah. Like he could just be on this show right now, just sitting there. As a co-host myself, it it really lit a fire under me. Um I don't want to be an AJ Hawks. So I'm really trying to pick it up here. Yeah. Well good. I'm glad I don't have to tell you, Colton. (laughs) Yeah. You don't Uh, have to threaten threaten by fire threaten threatening me with firing. I don't know how to say that. You don't have to threaten to fire me anymore. Threatening, threatening you with the firing squad—is that what it is? Yeah. Something like that. I know yeah. you've—I know you've thrown that one out there before too. Yeah. So, do some medieval shit. No. Yeah. Uh, so Dillingham tweets on Tuesday: ASU is a top twenty public university in the country, top forty in U.S. It is incredible how far ASU has come under at Michael Crow. Hashtag Sun Devil for Life. Hashtag Activate the Valley. I love it. I love it, KD. Uh, well, anything more to add to the ASU basketball conversation before we shift gears? Not necessarily. They're just fun to watch again. I really enjoyed watching that. That's a good, but that's a good way to like sum up our conversation. Is just the simple phrase of like they're just fun to watch again, right? Like, like I, I really enjoyed watching that Colorado game. I turned them on. I don't just check the score on my phone. Um, like it, it's kind of that distinction, right? Like you actually want to yeah. sit down and watch them, which is which is cool. 
Yeah, no, that's a, yeah, and that's, it's a good place to be. And I guess that's kind of why we're like, yeah, you know what, if we make the NIT this year, it's not the end of the world. So, uh, yeah. All right. ASU football continues to add transfers. And honestly, like, I did not expect to be here in, what, almost mid-January talking about even more transfers coming. Uh, High-level guys. Yes, yes. Guys that, one, you get a four-star transfer from Oregon in defensive back Cole Martin, who is from Arizona. We'll get into him more later. But you get some other guys like uh, Miles Ghost Rouser, which is a fantastic nickname. Go by Ghost as a defensive back. Uh, I'm going to look these. I'm just going to pull these up on my phone. But he, I believe, he had offers from TCU and Oregon State. So again, not he's not. It's not ASU. He's not picking ASU from Utah State and Florida International and uh, Northern Illinois. It's other you know schools that are of our level. And like this guy Jeff Clark, defensive tackle from Louisville, uh, just off my memory. He, he visited North Carolina and Michigan State. So again, like those are those aren't blue bloods, but they're like those are the types of that's the level we're trying to be at as ASU, you know. And again, there's even more guys that I'm going to mention. Um, but oh, and another guy you got you got a defensive tackle from Arizona, yeah. Jacob Rich Kongaika. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, just heading up I-10 from U of A to ASU, which is interesting. I'll say that. You don't see, you don't see that very often. See guys transfer from, from U of A to ASU. So that's uh, – and then immediately embrace it too. You know, he seems like he's tweeting out, you know, Sun Devil, I'm home, all that stuff, which has to be uh, pretty unique, right? We had a good <laughs> experience at Sun Devil Stadium. <laughs> Right, he just he just had a great experience at Sun Devil Stadium. Yeah. So, um, okay, this is a this is a. I'm glad we got this guy, uh, Rich, or uh, Jacob Kongaika. I'm pretty sure that I'm pronouncing. Oh yeah, Kongaika. Yeah, that that's, looks right, right enough. I like. I'm glad he's on the team. All that. I don't like. Like, there should be a rule in the transfer portal that you can't transfer to your direct rival. Just on principle. Like, and I, I you know, if Noah Fafita transferred here, to, you know, Tetero McMillan, then maybe I'd change my tune. But it's just like, I don't know. I, this is definitely a boomer take, but it's like, man, like, you could have gone, like, anywhere, you know? I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's quite the flip. The way um, my thing is, I would love to hear why, because I think his decision could shine a pretty significant light on the job that Dillingham and his staff are doing. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Because if, if somebody is willing to pick an in-state rival as a transfer destination, especially an in-state rival that you just destroyed at their house, right? Like yep. recently, and you are still willing to commit to that program. There's got to be a pretty good reason why. 
And that's why I hope, like, I mean, it's a unique story. I'm sure somebody's going to cover it at some point and, and sit down with him and, and talk to him about that whole experience and what went into that decision and all that. Maybe they already have, and I just missed it. Um, but I think that could shine a very interesting light on the how effective Dillingham and his staff are at pitching this program, right? That is true. That is so true. Yeah. I think he could have a real unique perspective on that. Um, and, he, you know, position of need. Depth on the defensive line is imperative. Oh. Right? So Can't have enough. Yeah. Can't him have and enough. Jeffrey Clark are going to come in. They'll compete. Um, we also got Roman Petrie, who – Roman Petrie stood out to me because he went to high school with uh, Jordan Clark. Yep. And Jordan Clark is – the one who vouched for ASU and ultimately played a role in Roman Petrie committing here, right? Yes. Edge rusher, three-star guy out of high school. He can help too. It's just like you see the names. You you never really look at the schools they're coming from in too much depth, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, this guy came from, you know, wherever, Louisville, Purdue, Oregon with Cole Martin, whatever it is. Right. I mean – U of A, that kind of jumps out at you. There's so much in this this transfer class that that is that is unique to me. Um, the in-state guys, the 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 poly pipeline that's going on, right? All of that stuff that's being talked about. Um, Ray Leak Brown. It's just such a unique class, and it's it's all over the place too, right? You've got the the offensive lineman, you've got a long snapper, you've got defensive guys, you've got a kicker. They're just covering all of their bases. Um, And 22 transfers with not only that, but the commits that they have, the high school guys that are coming in with, I mean, Jaden Fortier has the ACL. We'll see where he's at by the time um, fall or or spring ball. Obviously he will probably play in spring ball, but when the season comes around, uh, Jason Brown, who (laughs) – He's he's had quite a the Washington player of the year, career. and he, he was right. in uh, the All American game along with Champ Westbrooks this past weekend. A hundred percent, man. Like there's some there's a lot to be excited about right now. Terrell Kim, um, offensive yeah. lineman, three star out of Oregon, right? I, I think in um, Saluani out of Hawaii. You know, you can go down the list. Last year we talked about it all the time. After when we come on after. Uh, after games and it's just like the O-line is decimated. They can't really do anything. Whoever's back there at quarterback is at such a disadvantage because, you know, you can't really, nobody's yeah. upright that, you know, whatever we said on a week to week basis. And now you're bringing in Champ Westbrook, Samisi Tonga, Falifa Saluni, uh, Saluni, Terrell Kim, all of these guys, right. With all of the transfers, there's going to be what, six, seven new faces in this line room which is like that's exactly what you needed man so um stacking both of the lines in terms of emphasizing transfers and recruits it's going to be exciting it's going to be exciting to see what dillingham does with all of these guys and what happens moving forward like this for his first full cycle of transfers and recruiting it's so impressive and it continues to happen like you continue to see guys committing um so i don't know man it, it's it's exciting stuff and i want to see what it looks like on the field come uh september absolutely man and like 
I want to touch on a few things you mentioned. You mentioned with Roman Petrie how uh, he had the connection with Jordan Clark and how you know Clark probably vouched for Dillingham. That's why it is so important and so critical that Dillingham isn't like being a dick to these guys on the way out or not even being like not like he's helping them find a good spot on the way out. You know, it's more than just like, you know, what are you going to do? What? What? Right. Like supportive. That's yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And like it's Dillingham knows that it's like it's not necessarily about this one player. It's about building like a a place where people want to come to, you know, and, you know, this is the way of the world with call like if you're going to be an a-hole college football coach, you know, and like, you look, I, I defend, you know, the tenure of Todd Graham, um, but he was an a-hole college football coach. And like, <laughs> there's a reason why he's not in doing college football anymore. Like, you can defend, you know, the 2013 and 14 seasons for Todd Graham and say, like, this is where ASU should be. This is what they should be striving to get to. And also acknowledge he's an asshole. Like, he just like he just was. And you had, a guy you had, like that would not be, like, treating guys well on the way out if they decided to transfer most likely, you know. And anyway. For but, sure. It, it um, is a different era. It, it, that's, yeah, that's an that interesting is. comparison to bring up because, like, I wonder how – Todd Graham would have responded in this era, you know? Um, he would have, like, he had, he definitely had his style, right? It would have been through gritted teeth. Like, it wouldn't have been natural. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, with it Dillingham, been, it, 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 it doesn't feel like an act when he's like, oh, I'm so happy this person is hiding. Like, I'm so happy for Jalen Conyers or heading to Texas Tech or whatever it may be. Like, it's it's not yeah. as it doesn't feel like I'm sure like he he would rather Jalen Conyers and BJ Green be back, but, uh, but he knows them. Like he he got to yeah. know them. Like he cares about them, and I think that's what yep. stands out. I also think that's why having a young coach who has kind of you know found their footing in this digital transfer yep. portal era. Yep. Is, yep. It's not a detriment. It's an advantage, right? You you might see the 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 learning curve on the field or whatever, right? We talked about oh, last year whatever we discussed after games and things like that. He, he's an effective coach, right? And he's going to continue to grow into that. But yeah. I think he's showing us right now that he does an incredible job at this side of everything, yes. right? And yes. this side is imperative. You cannot be. It's more important. Yeah, exactly. You cannot be an effective coach if you don't have the personnel to run your schemes. And to be an effective coach, you have to show these guys that you care about them. And that's what he's done. Right. And he's building that reputation, a reputation that he's probably already got from his time at, you know, FSU and Oregon and all the other places, the high profile places that he, that he worked. Um, But I mean, it's showing up right now and it, it, it blows me away because I'm not used to seeing this. I'm not used to seeing, you know, former four-star guys and and recruits that have options to go to UNC and Oregon picking ASU. Like, it yeah. just – it's been crazy. And in the Washington player of the year coming to ASU, right? Like – Right, yeah. It's, it's all just been so surreal. So, I mean, this – if this is what we're going to get out, out of Dillingham – and this is the starting point. This is his first full cycle. 
I don't know how ASU isn't competitive in the Big 12 sooner rather than later. And that's exciting in an era of an 18 playoff. 12 team, but yeah. Um, Is it 12? It's 12. You're right, because four four teams get a bye. Yep. Okay, yeah. So a 12-team playoff, right? Which is conference winners are auto bids, right? I believe so. so. If and when, you know, if ASU wins the Big 12 at some point, they would be automatically in. So, it, yeah, exactly. Which that's that's so exciting. It probably won't happen next year. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Let's, let's not get ahead 2025, of though, that's the year. Gonna... That's the year you got to be uh, focusing on. And but. I mean, you'll have these these young guys in here with a year of experience. Um, hit the transfer portal hard again. Go out and show that this you can take these guys and uh, translate all of this personality and all of this. uh this welcoming demeanor to results and guys are going to see like that's that's the best of both worlds i got a coach who cares about me is going to shoot me straight right like he did with Jaden rashada which is probably right. why rashada didn't i'm not i don't i'm not assuming he would have transferred but we've seen that happen before dillingham was transparent and i think that's important being honest with people, being transparent with people, letting people know what's going on. And if he builds that reputation, man, I don't, I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited yeah. about this team. For sure. And like you, that, and like him being at big time schools like Oregon, Auburn, FSU, he's seen what like those rosters look like. And that's why it's so key that recent guys they've added defensive linemen, Jacob Kungai. Kong Geika, defensive lineman, Jeffrey Clark, uh, offensive tackle, Josh Atkins, edge, Roman Petrie, interior own line, uh, Shanko Matuita. I'm not pronouncing that right. Uh, Matatia, yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. Joey Sua. um, You know, just a lot of just large, (laughs) large bodies that they need. And then you add, you know, Linebacker Keyshawn Elliott, uh, the safety Miles Rouser, both the guys from New Mexico State, a 10-win New Mexico State team, too. It's not like that was a bad team. Um, Zaires Biasu, too. The, yeah. I think he was defensive MVP at San Diego, San Diego State. State. Yep. So, so you're adding, like, sure, you're not adding, like, the highest-end players in the portal, but you've got, like, 20, like 22 guys in. Yeah, 22. That, that is so important. That is so important because last year, especially at the end of last year, you could really see like, ooh, like they don't have like enough guys to compete at the power X level, you know? Like once once like a few guys got injured, then it like really like, ooh, like that's why you get blown out by Utah because Jacob Conover has to play a lot. That's why you're getting blown out by Oregon. Or well, maybe you get blown out by Oregon anyway, but – you get blown out by Arizona. You know, like, you have these results, and I think it's, like, and then you, uh, you know, look earlier in the season, you're playing 50-50 games, and uh, really other than Fresno State, that was, that's a weird game. But, like, after the bye, you almost beat Washington. It's like, oh, like, when the team's healthy or, like, close to healthy, it's like, it looks a lot better, you know. Um, 100%. Which is, so, dude, 100% why they went out yeah. and – now you have depth at every position. Yes. And not just bodies, but like guys who can play at every position. 
and you're going to have competition. You're going to have, which, I mean, you don't always get competition in college football, especially when guys can transfer immediately, yeah. right? Yeah. So getting that competition, the fact that we're going to get Levitt and Rashada um, and Borgay all competing, that is, that's a great quarterback room, man. Maybe yeah. one that I'm excited about, at least. So, I mean. And they're all coming, yeah, like you, like you mentioned, they're all coming in with the same, like, no BS. It's like, hey, like this is an open job, you know. So, 100%. right. And also for Rashada and Borgay, if Levitt comes in and wins this job, understanding like, hey, my opportunity could come up next week, right? And preparing right. Yeah. like the start yeah. every week because they've both been through that. They they both saw what happened all season. They were down to their fourth quarterback last year. I'm not saying Levitt is obviously if he's the guy who wins the job, you don't want to see him get hurt. Right. But like just from the, the realistic perspective of like this is football, that stuff happens just because you don't win the job out of sprint or fall ball or whatever. Whenever they make that decision, your time could be the next snap. Yeah. Which I mean, that's why you mentioned it. They were the games where they're getting blown out. It's because they don't have the body, not only the bodies, but the, the quality to compete with these teams deeper on the depth chart, right? And now they have that to an extent, and that is that is encouraging. Yeah, I mean, like, again, no one's saying this team's going to win 10 games next year. Like, the goal is to go 6-6 six and six right. or 7-5, and five and, you know, maybe you do better. Which is but like, realistic, man. I think that's yeah. realistic. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting to see when the over-under, season over-unders come out, um, mm-hmm. where ASU sits in that. Uh, anyway, I wanted to – we keep mentioning, like, ASU beating out other teams for high-level transfers, and I kind of just want to go through uh, just what I can find on Twitter from these guys and see, like, who, who we actually beat out. So, Miles Rouser, Miles Ghost Rouser, okay, safety from New Mexico you State. Like yeah, dude, Ghost I, I love that so much. You got to see if uh, he's selling skirts on his NIL or something. That oh, he, seems like something that might happen. Yeah, for sure. So he has a graphic from December 29th. Thank you for these teams reaching out. It's ASU, Oregon State, Utah, Illinois, and Nevada, Arkansas State, and UConn. So, but again, you have like four Power Five programs and then also TCU after. So that's like a, those are legitimate, decent programs that you beat out. Um, let's go to Jeff Clark from Louisville, ten win team last year. I'm gonna go through his stats real quick. Uh, well, they're not that actually impressive. So, <laughs> not, uh, it says he only played him. Well, I guess he only played in five games last year. I mean, he was a defensive tackle, so. Those guys don't show up on the – that's why box scores are, yeah. are tough for defense because those guys don't always show up. Everybody wants to look at, like, sacks and tackles yeah. and all of that. But, I mean, if you have a defensive tackle that can do their job and do their job effectively, you're going to see it on everybody else's box score. Right, exactly. So, so and to that point, I'm going to read through his, uh, his offer slash interest. Um, Three days ago, he's commits to ASU. But before that, amazing time at UNC. Mm. Uh, 
you know, they got the photo shoot out there for him. Looks good. Blessed to receive an opportunity uh, from Colorado University. We beat out Coach Prime. Uh, blessed to receive an offer from Duke University. Got ASU. Blessed to receive an offer from Cal. Blessed to receive an offer from Michigan State. And then... And that's it. But again, that's UNC, Michigan State, Cal, Duke, Colorado. You beat all them out. And again, it's not like you're beating out, you know, Alabama and Georgia for this guy. So I want to be clear. Like it's, but he was wanted by some other teams that weren't, you know, San Jose State. Cole Martin, four star. Uh, he he had some options for sure. He, well, I'm just looking at this tweet from Hayes Fawcett. Uh, the 5'10", 180-pound defensive back played in all 14 games as a true freshman for the Ducks. 21 tackles, one interception, one pass breakup. It's pretty good. That's a good spot to be in. Just the fact that he's starting as a true freshman on that team. Or playing. Rather, yeah. Oh, yeah, playing. Getting uh, on the field as a true freshman for that Oregon team. A team yeah. that had playoff, uh, playoff hopes, legitimate scenarios, yeah. right? Yeah. Play, not even hopes. Like they were there for you know, <laughs> that. They win that Washington game. They probably cracked the top four. Yeah, so for sure. Playing in some some high stakes games as a freshman, that's going to be experience that yep is imperative. So let's go to Jacob Kongaika. Uh, <clears throat> So he doesn't show anything either. It's ASU. But again, he played a little bit for U of A last year. Uh, says he had two sacks, you know, as a sophomore defensive lineman. You'll take that. Uh, played in, looks like, looks like he had an injury somewhere. So, uh, but like eight of their games, you know, two sacks, you take that. Uh Roman Petrie, he comes from Purdue. This is not the best, but I just kind of want to illustrate um, who we were competing with to get these guys, you know. So um, so he got, for him, it was Southern University, Mississippi State, Louisiana Tech, University of Houston. So Houston is our conference rival now. And Mississippi State SEC school. So you beat both of them out for him. Um, Parker Lewis, the kicker. He was at Ohio State. Well, finished his senior day, and now he's going to ASU. Maybe he won't even kick, but it's still good to get a guy like that. Uh, and Hawaii offensive tackle Joshua Atkins. Let's see what offers he had. Um, Real quick, I did just I did just see a tweet, and I don't know. Oh it's boy, CFB. Oh, it's from College Football Meme Zone. Oh, uh, I don't know how reliable this site is, but the picture posted is like it, it's like a flight sort of map. Um, okay, with, with all the specifics of a private jet, like a private charter. Um, and it looks like it is a flight from Oregon, uh, Eugene, Oregon, to Tuscaloosa for tomorrow morning. So, oh, if that's true, 
That's and Dan Lanning. I don't know who else would be going from Eugene to Tuscaloosa in a private jet. Um, but if that is true, and again, take that with a grain of salt. It's just a screenshot from CFBMZ. But here, look, this is kind of what it looks like. It's like a. Can you see that? No, that looks bad. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a flight yeah. map. Yeah, it's, it's like a flight map with all the specifics of the. It's not just like a, a plane ticket or something, but um, I mean, dude, if he's already on a flight, <laughs> well, that could honestly, I don't see Oregon hiring Kenny Dillingham after one year. Like, I think they're no, gonna hire. I, They'll go. They'll go in a different direction if this happens. But man, that would be that would be crazy. He has a twenty million dollar buyout. Not that that matters to Alabama, but <laughs> yeah, that would be that. It, it'll be interesting to see who ends up. Because just in my personal opinion, I do not want to be the guy who follows Nick Saban at Alabama. No, like that's. And yeah, again, like I'm not, I don't have the confidence of like a head coach who's been very successful. You know, like I get, if you, if you get to that level, you think about things differently, but I, to me, it's just common sense. Do you want to be the guy who follows Nick Saban? Maybe, <laughs> maybe Lanning, maybe Lanning just doesn't want to fly from Oregon to the East coast every two weeks with their new, their new big 10 schedule. True. So, that could be it. But also, what's weird is I saw something the other day where Lanning was talking about how it's just insane to me how the college coaching carousel works, right? Like, and again, this could all just be fake. Like, I don't know how true that is. Um, but he is an option. He is one of their top options, right? We have seen that already come out. Um, but it is crazy how a coach can say, yeah, this is like, this is like a the last job for me. I can't see myself ever leaving this place. And then Nick Saban retires, and there's already rumors of a private jet. Yeah, <laughs> like that's it's crazy how it all. That's how it is. Out. That's how it is. So that's the landscape of college football for sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, just to wrap up the transfer portal thing, like you know, many of these guys probably won't even be good for ASU. Like we have to acknowledge that. That's just how it is. But right. you're taking good shot you're you're adding guys who other teams wanted and you look like you need more players and so like when you especially on the lines of scrimmage like that's really good to see and it just you know it kind of just ties into what we were talking about how of like just you you just have way more players to work with now and so that puts you in a much better position moving forward 100 percent depth too depth is the name of the game man at all, at every level, too. You've got BBs, you've got linebackers, you've got edge rushers, you've got D tackles, you've got offensive guys. Like it, just go through, like go through the list. They're all over the place. You've got offensive weapons, man. Like, like um, Jason Brown coming in, and we'll see where Fortier is at. But like, it, it's just, it's impressive, and it'll be at the very least. I think they'll be much more fun to watch health willing this season yeah for sure so who knows maybe the next time we record there'll be another transfer that comes in i like honestly i did not i wouldn't doubt it yeah (laughs) with the way that this is all happening well there was like a flurry of like five of these guys committing all on sunday 
And I was skiing yeah. up at Snowbowl that day, and I didn't even like notice it until like I got back home because my phone died, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Like I didn't expect. I just didn't expect it. And so, uh, it's just it's good to see. Um, speaking of things that are good to see, ASU men's hockey goes two and zero in the Desert Hockey Classic. They beat yep. Harvard five two. Then on Saturday night, they beat Nebraska Omaha two one in overtime. Get a Game-winning goal from Kyle Smollett or Kyle Smolin. Um, it goes down as a tie officially because it's an out-of-conference game that ended in a draw or that that wasn't overtime. So it goes down officially as a tie. That puts ASU at 16-3 and 5. They are now up to number, number 11. 11 in the yeah. USCHO ranking. Um, I mean, it's just, it, it's just been, we've been talking about this team all year and it's just been super impressive how they, they aren't losing these dumb games, you know, they aren't losing to schools that they shouldn't lose to. Um, and you, <coughs> excuse me, uh, you win two tournaments in a row or you at least go two and oh in two tournaments in a row. Uh, it's just they're, they're keeping on the same path to get into the NCAA tournament, you know, and that's that's really good to see because a lot of these teams you have. I mean, they have four they have four games upcoming against Alaska Fairbanks. They have Long Island University, Alaska Anchorage, Lindenwood, like these aren't all like great teams, you know, and so for the rest of the year, AC is going to kind of have to fatten up against like the, you know, lower tier teams that they play, but keep, just keep on winning. You know, I mean, only three actual losses this whole year and you've played like uh 24 games. Yeah. 24 games. So only three times left the ice too, with a legitimate yeah. loss. Yeah, man. Against great competition. And once you go down the line and look at a lot of their ties, it's like shoot out, win, shoot out, win, shoot yep. out, win. Right. Shootout win against Cornell. Um, let's see. You can keep going down the line. Well, I guess we're we're up to the Cornell game coming up on Friday. But, uh, yeah, winning the Desert Hockey Classic is is awesome. And beating some – I mean, Nebraska-Omaha, that one was a test. So Yeah, uh, totally. A lot of – and, you know, we'll see what happens as we get closer to the tournament. They also have that trip where they go – they're at Tempe for a while. They're playing at Tempe until February 10th is their last game in Tempe. And then they go Fairbanks, Alaska, back to Tempe, and then Anchorage, Alaska to end the season. So that's that's brutal travel right there. That's At least that's like the end of their traveling, though. Like At least you have a bunch of games in a row at, at home. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's... That's why they're going to be in a conference next year, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. you can't just – going up to Alaska all the time in the middle of the winter, not fun. So, it's already cold enough in Arizona right now, for Pete's exactly. sake. You said it, Mark. Yeah. I have to put on a freaking sweatshirt when I go outside. <laughs> what is this? What is this? Uh, all right. Um, oh, I did one thing I forgot to mention – in the transfer portal buzz is that uh, Jacob Conover recently entered the portal. Uh, I mean, 
he, uh, everything that's we've heard about Jacob Conover is he's a great guy, nice guy, but just if he wants to play, he needs to go to the portal. Um, yeah. So, yeah, wish definitely. him well, and I'm sure I'm sure he'll find somewhere to play. Like he's, he's got like the the tools, you know. So um, he'll find a spot. Yeah, exactly. And then. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna try to mention ASU women's basketball, but I looked up there, looked up where they are. Uh, they're zero and three in the Pac-12, and uh, come on, eight and seven overall. They've pretty much lost all their big games, so hopefully they can find something later in the season. But um, not looking good for them right now. So yeah, but. Anything, anything you want to add before you wrap this one up? It was a longer episode, but hey, had to, really, had to wrap up a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I think we covered a lot, so I'm yeah. good. All right. Well, with that, thank you for listening, everyone. Please like and subscribe on YouTube. Please rate and review on your podcast platform of choice. And as always, go Devils, baby.